0: Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Part two of our series on logical fallacies gets into the form of the argument. These formal fallacies may contain correct information or premises, but the order or form of the argument is incorrect. In this episode, we'll discuss fallacies in the area of reasoning and how arguments are formulated. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week?
1: Well, my older dog died Friday night. She apparently had a stroke and was Basically limp when I went upstairs from work Friday afternoon, so I buried her Saturday morning at my parents' house. So I got to go and actually see my parents. It was a pretty pretty long day Saturday. Yeah, obviously with all that.
0: Yeah, I got your message about that.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I had the dog for sixteen years and a couple of months, mm-hmm. and she was a, you know about a fifty pound dog. So I mean she really lived a very very long life for a dog that size. So that's very true. Sucks, but that's life. You know when you adopt a puppy that eventually that day comes.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's a pretty big bummer.
0: How about you? Well, school starting back, I am taking theory of computer programming. Honestly, dude, I feel like all these classes are the same with the exception of discrete. That was a bit different, but it was like a math programming class. I actually loved it a lot, but great professor for that. She was at MTSU. Yeah. I think the professor makes a difference. It's so true. She did a great job with that class. Ours, not so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, the the discrete professor at MTSU was phenomenal. Really enjoyed that class.
1: I mean, I would say that if I had a choice between retaking discrete with the same professor I had and being waterboarded for an hour a day, I would go wet the washcloth down myself.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. The thing is, All these classes seem to start off with an introduction to computer science. I've never seen that before. Right. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Like reading through the first chapter going, how many times have I read this exact same paragraph in different books?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Because it's something that they always copy and paste from somewhere else and call it a quote.
0: Oh, yeah. Though once we get into it, I think I'm going to enjoy this class. Like there's a lot of stuff that I've covered in previous classes because it's, you know, the previous classes were, hey, let's catch you up to the students who have a bachelor's degree. And then this is like the intro course to the master's program. Like, it's like the first one. So I'm like, all right, well, I kind of just spent the last year or so doing this exact same thing, but all right, cool. I kind of flipped through the book and stuff. I'm like, this is actually going to be pretty interesting learning about the different languages and I actually think it's going to help me with work and stuff, so that's cool. I've got my first assignment due this next week, so that'll be interesting. It's uh, about like the, the syntax and the grammar of stuff, and so I was showing it to Amanda, and I was like, this looks pretty similar to the stuff you're doing teaching English.
1: <laughs> yeah, I never thought sentence diagramming would be something that I would refer back to as a useful concept ever again. And I've probably used that more in the last 15 years than I ever did in school.
0: Right. Yeah. So in a more exciting note, small groups are starting back at church. Amanda and I are leading one on Sundays. That's called Sunday Fun Day. We're basically just going out to lunch after church. That is like literally the small group. Occasionally, we're going to do stuff like go hiking or go axe throwing or something like that. But uh, it's so funny because I was talking to our small group leader, and she was telling me they have, like, the leadership at the church has been wanting someone to do a Sunday afternoon small group, like a, a lunch after church small group for years. And she's like, I'm super excited about this because we've been wanting someone to do it, but everyone wants to just go spend time with their family or like stay with their own little circle right after church and I'm like oh well cool I'm glad I could fill a role that I didn't even know was needed
1: (laughs) yeah it's funny how that works out
0: (laughs) because that's so totally my personality so anyway we're we're doing that and then we're supporting a few of the other groups that some of our friends are leading actually I was telling you before we started I got a text from a friend of mine who's like hey I know you're like in 10 other groups but you want to be in my group (laughs) Two, all right well we'll see it depends on what it is but that's cool actually there's uh the group that i really really loved last year it's called freedom group they do it every every semester but it's just like it really like helps you open up helps you work through issues and helps you gain freedom amanda hasn't been able to do it because it was on friday nights and she was working Well, she's not working Friday nights, but they moved the group because of her and some other people who work Fridays. (laughs) They moved it to Tuesday nights. Oh. (laughs) So starting next week, she's gonna be in group when we're recording the podcast. They could not have put it on a more perfect night. Yeah. Just because like the timing works out great for the two of us, because like she and I can't hang out or spend time together because I'm already booked working on the podcast. So she's got the group and it's just, it's a really, it worked out really well for us. But uh, I was looking at the list just today and like, there are so many groups. Like it's exciting how many people are actually doing stuff and wanting to be active. It's just really awesome. Speaking about being awesome, you can make your financial confidence awesome and take it to the next level. Lucas Casares
1: is a fee-only certified financial planner and financial coach serving tech professionals with his company, Level Up Financial Planning, virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Level Up Financial Planning changes the financial planning game by empowering you to live your best life, regardless of whether you're just starting up and need to build your financial foundation or mid-career and navigating complex and competing goals.
0: Best of all, Lucas and Level Up Financial Planning is a fiduciary for his clients. And what that does is it requires him to act in his client's best interest. So a lot of times you get financial advisors who are basically glorified salesmen trying to sell you various plans, various insurances and things like that. That is not who Lucas is. He is not a salesman at all. You pay for his services only as long as you're getting value. And when you're no longer getting value, you stop paying.
1: And you can find some more uh, fun free resources and learn more at levelupfinancialplanning.com.
0: Guys, logical fallacies, which we have discussed in one episode prior, are errors in reasoning that can basically invalidate an otherwise good discussion, formal argument, or debate. Component fallacies are considered formal fallacies because they have to
1: do with the form of the argument. You may be correct in what you say, but it is out of order and therefore sounds like nonsense. This group of fallacies have to do with errors in reasoning. This may be inductive or deductive reasoning.
0: This is part two in our series on logical fallacies. Originally, when I wrote this episode or these series of episodes, it was going to be one episode on logical fallacies. That's what we put in our Kanban backlog. And as I got into it, I'm like, there are way too many for just one episode. So we broke them down. I found a really great resource. It'll be linked in the show notes. You can go take a look at it. It's a a .edu, so it's a university website. But uh, they break it down, and we kind of use their structure for these and a few other websites to get some examples and things. A few weeks ago, we discussed Fallacies of Relevance. There are a lot of logical fallacies out there. Like I said, there's enough to have a whole college course on them. In this episode, we're going to talk about component fallacies. And we'll be discussing several of the more common ones uh, that you're likely to encounter. For each one, we'll describe the fallacy, talk about how to recognize it in conversation, and then how to address it when you see it in the wild or in the workplace
1: wherever. Which is kind of like the wild. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, it's got the same level of disease right now. So, (laughs) True that, yo. True that, yo. So the first one is the Petitio Principe. And yes, I am not Italian. I actually looked that up on Mm howtopronounce.com.
0: It's Latin, so... Yeah, you know. Whether you're, you're French, Spanish, French, Spanish, Portuguese, Italian, and Romanian. And parts of English here and there. Actually, according to my first roommate in college, Romanian is the closest to the original Latin. No. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not saying it's true. <laughs> I'm just saying he grew up in Romania. He's from Ohio, I think, but his parents were missionaries in Romania. He told me that when we were in school, and I'm like, all right, dude.
1: <laughs> yeah, because, you know, after the empire fell, Rome sent all their legions to live in Romania. Mm-hmm. That's where they ran their empire from. It's perfectly plausible, right? Come on. All right. Uh, so, back to fallacies. <laughs> Since we're on the topic anyway. <laughs> the fallacy of presumption or begging the question is also known as assuming the conclusion.
0: Now, this happens when the conclusion to the argument is used as part of the premise of For that argument. So this might be something like Will is good at grammar because Will says he is good at grammar. I don't say that I'm good at grammar, but yeah, I like the, I like where you're going with this. (laughs) Or, or Angular is the best spa because the Angular documentation says it's the best spa.
1: Right. Or somebody's or politicians honest because they say they are.
0: Yeah. Those were all circular reasoning. We'll talk about that in just a moment. That's a type of begging the question. But like what happens is with begging the question, you have this, if you think of formal logic, formal argumentation, you have a set of premises. And from those premises, you can deduce a conclusion that's deductive reasoning. Right. What happens here is when your deduction is actually one of your premises. It's not like it doesn't actually deduce anything. Now, sometimes the phrase or the term begging the question can be used in other ways that are not related to logical fallacies. And what they really mean when they say this is like raising the question. So they say this happened, and that begs the question of should we do this or that? What they really mean is this event or this thing coming to light raises the question, should we do this or that?
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where they're using the wrong phrase. It's like, it's a philosophy equivalent of saying, could you be more (laughs) pacific? You know, right? Like, yeah, we know what you meant, but you didn't use the words right. Exactly. Or maybe I should say exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sorry, I couldn't help it.
1: (laughs) Uh -uh. It just makes me twitch, man. Yeah. Circular reasoning is a form of begging the question where the argument repeats what has already been assumed instead of arriving at the conclusion. These are not really arguments, but they're instead just restatements of the same thing to make it look like a logical argument.
0: Yeah. So most of the things that we gave as examples earlier were circular reasoning. right? You know, it's like, Angular is the best spa. Why is Angular the best spa? Because the Angular documentation says it's the best spa.
1: Right. And this other guy over here says it's the best spa because he read the documentation.
0: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) You see the circle?
1: (laughs) Yeah. The second one is Ignorantio Elinci. Did I get that? Sounds good to me. Roughly right. I don't know. Okay. I didn't take Latin in school. I took French. If it sounds like something that could reasonably be yelled by a centurion, I feel like it's probably (laughs) as close as I'm going to get to actual Latin. So we're going to go with that. This is also known as the irrelevant conclusion fallacy. This happens when the argument leads to one conclusion, but that is used to prove a different, unrelated conclusion.
0: Yeah. The insidious nature of this fallacy appears when the irrelevant conclusion is tangentially related to the topic of the argument, but not directly related to the argument at hand. So basically what happens is you're debating something like Will and I may be debating the best place to go have a burger and a beer. And one of us brings up, yeah, I really like burgers with eggs on them. And, you know, we should get burgers with eggs on them. That's not really related to the best place to get a burger and a beer.
1: Even though we should get burgers with eggs on them. That sounds really good right now, actually.
0: <laughs> Sorry, guys. I, I, I bought
1: yeah. a grill recently. So, And you can see I did just actually do that just now, right? Like I did it again. Uh, the most well-known type of irrelevant conclusion fallacy is the red herring. Uh, This is a distraction technique that appears to be relevant, but is not on topic.
0: Yeah, it seems like it is. So the term red herring, it's really interesting. It actually comes from uh, training hunting dogs. Right. And apparently a certain type of herring, the red herring, has a very pungent odor that is very attractive to dogs. And that was like the last test of training the hunting dogs is they would like, Spread out red herrings randomly and see if they could track the actual target and not get distracted by the other smells. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah. So that's where that term comes from. Now, what you may see this in the real world when, say, considering a JavaScript framework, the argument may be made that you need a solid user experience. That, however, does not address the issue of which is the best framework for your purposes and if the ones you are considering will even provide it. It's just a person like you're talking about, should we go with Angular or React and someone comes in and says, hey, we need a really solid user experience and makes an argument for a solid user experience. You're like, well, yeah, we do need a solid user experience, but they both give good user experiences. We need to figure out which one's going to work for our purposes.
1: Right. And it's just completely unrelated because, I mean, look, We've made solid user experiences without JavaScript. So, like, it's not relevant. Yeah. And this one can be really tricky to decipher as topics may appear irrelevant, but then tie back into the main conversation. So if confused, ask for clarification as to how the side topic relates to the discussion at hand.
0: That's the real key here. I'm really bad about this. And my personality type It's really funny. And this, this sounds like a side topic. Topic, but it actually relates to it. <laughs> I did this one on purpose. I remember this one. So I recently saw a post. Uh, my Myers briggs is ENFP. And it was how to date an ENFP. And so like I read through it, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so me. So I sent it to Amanda. But then I got to thinking, I'm like, hmm, actually, there's more than just dating advice here. It's like how to interact, how to deal with them. So I sent it to all the women in my life, my sisters and my mom and you know, Amanda. <laughs> Good job clarifying that. All the women in my life, but you know, <laughs> the ones I interact with, well, I guess there are the people at church. But anyway, that's off topic. That's a red herring. This is not.
1: I think the red herrings are getting stacked. Yes.
0: I think this is a palette
1: of red herrings. But.
0: <laughs> so you're like, you're thinking, how does this relate to this? Well, the reason I talked about that is to say, The way that I process information is I talk it out and my mind is all over the place. So I may be in a conversation with you about live streaming to the church website and I tell you a story about where the term red herring came from because that is part of my processing to get to, hey, we need to avoid doing this one thing when we're working on it. Because that's the way my mind, it just, it goes out to these weird places and then it pulls it back together. You see what I did there? Like Uh I had something that was completely off topic, but it actually made sense. You got to watch out for those. And when you don't see the connection, ask for it. Yeah. Ask for it. Don't assume that they are trying to throw a red herring. Assume that they're going to bring it back. Just be like, hey, how does this relate? I can't tell you how many times I've been in conversations at work or at church where I was asked and how does this relate? And I'm like, "Hang on a second, I'm getting to it." And I would bring it back in. I would like will it sa- tells me to land the plane all the time. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> There's a reason for that.
0: <laughs> we
1: even have a hand gesture.
0: <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> yeah. So the next fallacy Is the dicto simpliciter.
1: That was the most awesome spell in Harry Potter, I got to (laughs) say. Now, actually, what this is, is a hasty generalization. So this is known as jumping to conclusions or the converse accident.
0: Yeah, basically, it's a failure of inductive reasoning. So we talked about some stuff with deductive reasoning, where you have multiple premises and from those premises, you get to a conclusion. With inductive reasoning, it kind of goes slightly the opposite direction. You have like, all right, here's, you're going for more of a generalization than a specific conclusion. But basically with this, there are not enough samples to prove a point.
1: Right. So it's a, it's a fallacy of sample size. Right. It's kind of normal and natural to generalize. Like human beings are essentially pattern matching machines. And so we do this normally it's, You know, something that comes from our evolutionary history, like it's just, it's a thing. The problem comes when there is an insignificant amount of evidence for the generalization or it's taken beyond the constraints of the evidence. Yeah. And you'll see this all the time in politics or in, you know, work life. Uh, This is one of the things I actually just recorded a chapter on the remote work book today talking about people's objections to working remotely. And, you know, a lot of the stuff really boils down to this. They saw something one time and we can't let that happen ever again because we had one guy that we let him work from home and he didn't do anything. Yeah. And so nobody can do it. You know, that's a overly broad generalization. And most of the objections to a lot of things that are really good for you come out of that place.
0: We tried that a few years ago and it didn't work argument, but they don't give any details right about why it didn't work or what happened. You had some issues at one of your employers, I don't remember how far back, getting remote work because they'd had someone who was not responsible and had just like like I remember you telling stories about this when we were talking about remote work, but like they were just completely irresponsible and did not work harder from home, did not even work as hard as they did in the office. And so because of that one person, the whole work from home, remote work was just shot down immediately. Right. Because it had one bad experience with it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you'll see this, you know, even to the level of people having a single life experience and assuming that everybody's experience was that way. Mm-hmm. You know, like in high school, like you and I have friends that had, you know, one or two situations come up in high school and then they made broad sweeping assumptions about whole groups of people. The best example I can think of is the way like football players get reacted to. Mm-hmm. You know, one football player crammed a kid into a locker, so therefore all the football players are bad. And it's like, how many people were on that team during that kid's term in high school? You're telling me every last one of them is bad? It's not a reasonable position.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Another thing that I've seen is this happens a lot in dating relationships. You know, I can't tell you how many of my friends have like had especially early on when we were younger, late teens, like 18, 19 and early 20s, kind of when you get that first really serious relationship kind of thing and then it explodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It goes south and it's almost a phase. good grief I went through it. I was a little bit later in life when I when I went through it because, you know, I had different priorities. <laughs> but it's a thing people go through where like they get burned, they get hurt in a relationship and they think everyone of no joke. I've heard people. I've heard my sisters say like all men are horrible, evil people. And I've not heard guys say that about women, but I've seen guys behave that way about women.
1: Yeah. Like you won't hear it said very often. Mm Mm-hmm. That's something I've seen behavior wise too. That's like, dude, come on. Yeah. When you've got a population that's literally in the billions, you can't make a generalization about anything other than the fact that you have a population.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, guys, I will admit mistakes I have made. Good grief. You guys could go back to our early episodes and hear the place I was in in life as opposed to now and see the growth over the last few years. But I will tell you, after. I got dumped by a girl like who broke my heart. I wouldn't date girls who had tattoos for a while. Will remembers that, <laughs> yeah, dude. which really sounds strange now. <laughs> yeah, right. Considering all the ones I have, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like there was about a year or two, and like that was stupid. That was like dicto simpliciter, hasty generalization. Yep, on my part. The thing with this, it can be very difficult to overcome because what is considered sufficient evidence varies depending on the circumstance.
1: And it kind of depends on how much damage was done, like how emotional the initial situation was too.
0: Yeah, we were we were talking about something before the podcast that it doesn't take very much in that situation to... To
1: push somebody out of an airlock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... The next one is non-causa, pro-causa. And this does not mean that my house is your house. (laughs) This is not Spanish, just in case you got confused. Uh, This is literally translated to mean not the cause for a cause. The false cause fallacy occurs when the conclusion comes before there's enough evidence for the conclusion.
0: Yeah, so it's kind of the deductive reasoning side of the previous one. And it tends to happen when the person making this fallacy... Wants the conclusion to come from a particular cause because it fits into their own narrative, their argument. Honestly, guys, if you listened, it was probably our least popular April 1st episode. But if you listened to the Wizards Rules episode, the first rule is this. It's this in a different form. Yeah, The best example... I could think of for this when writing it is the idea, and I, I kind of read something similar to this. But uh, playing video games makes kids violent,
1: right? Realistically, it's all games, right? Because look how violent the world was when there was only chess. Yeah, <laughs> you know clearly the you know the dark ages.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, the thing about it is what that's not taking into account is the vast majority of kids who play the same games and aren't violent or all the other things that are leading to someone being violent.
1: Yeah, this is uh, where you get stuff like post hoc, uh, ergo propter hoc. Uh, That means after this, therefore because of this. It's an error in logic that assumes a causal relationship because of temporal proximity. So A happened before B, therefore A caused B to happen.
0: Yeah, you might hear this as the post hoc fallacy in some places. I know when I was studying this, I minored in philosophy and logic was one of my favorite classes. And it was called the post hoc fallacy, which is like because it happened after it caused it.
1: Yeah. That basically means that if you're the first person to do anything, you're blamed for everything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like that, <laughs> like that does not follow. <laughs> you're going to see this a lot in debugging, especially like when you're working with people that. Don't completely understand what's going on and they don't understand how pieces interact. And so they're like, well, see, like I was in your app, see, and then like I had a message pop up from Outlook and it said I had a new message. And so that like crashed your app. It's like, that's probably not related.
0: Yeah, I've seen this personally with QA who aren't developers. They're like, oh, well, I did this and it calls that. And I'm like, those are completely unrelated things. That doesn't even make sense. It's like superstition. Yeah, it is like superstition. It really is. And correlation does not equal causation is the mantra for overcoming this fallacy. You're going to see this fallacy in a lot of places, especially over the next few months. (laughs) I'm trying to not get political here, but because it doesn't
1: matter which side you do it on, right? Like you could listen to a speech, and if you just if you took a shot of whiskey in a 15 minute speech by any of these people. And you took a shot of whiskey every time there was a logical fallacy, you would be unconscious before the speech was over.
0: Mm, That sounds like a fun drinking game. (laughs) (laughs) Beats
1: listening to them. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and then I'm I'm assuming like if you do that long enough, you actually get to the point where you agree with one or the other. So.
0: (laughs) All right. So. Just for clarification, we do not encourage this. And we are talking about US politics. Yeah. We don't know anything about any other political systems. We know our own. So who knows? Someone out there might have a functioning political system. Sure, man. <laughs> Which fallacy is that? <laughs> I don't think that's in this this set of fallacies. So I think
1: the Latin for that is uh, politicus is not as useless as
0: fallacy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, anyway. So the next one we're going to talk about is the non-sequitur. And this literally translates to it does not follow. And it happens when an argument doesn't make sense from the premises given. So like the conclusion just doesn't really make sense. It's like, beige is wearing a black shirt. Will is wearing a blue shirt. Therefore, whiskey tastes good. I mean, it's true. Whiskey does taste good. But, it doesn't follow from that argument.
1: Right. And, you know, you may be leaving out steps. You know, there's intermediate pieces here that maybe need to be brought into the argument, including more data. Yeah. The slippery slope fallacy is a type of non sequitur that states that once the premises of a benign conclusion are met it will set into motion events that will lead to a catastrophic conclusion now a lot of people do throw out the slippery slope thing in cases where I think it's kind of dodgy that they're saying that because it's like no literally somebody set up a feedback loop yeah and there is a greased hillside and you're saying oh it's not a slippery slope it's like no that literally is a slippery slope (laughs) you
0: know yeah the best way to to get around that is to understand what actually is a slippery slope.
1: In engineering, you would call it a positive feedback loop.
0: Yeah. You may see this when going back to remote work. When trying to maintain remote work post-COVID, the argument might be made, well, if we let developers work from home, they're not going to have to dress up for work. And... Therefore, they will slack off in other areas. And that's just going to lead to a breakdown in the entire development process.
1: Right. And, you know, invading barbarians, dogs and cats living together, total collapse of Western civilization, obviously.
0: Yeah. So, yes, working from home may not have to dress up for work. Honestly, when I was remote work, the days I was at home, well, I still am remote work. But when I was going into the office, I should say, The days I was at home, I did jeans and pair of shorts, sometimes pajama pants, depending on the weather. I'm cheap, so I don't like to pay a lot for heating. Right. (laughs) But when I went into the office, oh yeah, it was totally nice shirt, decent pants, stuff like that. So yeah, it's true. I don't dress as nice when I'm working from home because I'm not seeing people. I'm not interacting with them. That does not mean... That I'm not developing just as hard. Actually, I'm working harder when I'm at home.
1: Right, because you're not getting interrupted and your collar isn't itching. Right. Yeah, to combat this, you need to ask the person that is engaging in this fallacy to fill in the missing pieces that led to their conclusion. Now, they could actually be right about their answer, right? It's just that they don't have the structure there to prove that they're actually correct. Mm Mm-hmm if they're able to do so without sounding ridiculous, you'll see into their thought process and then you can address the middle areas in the argument with counterpoints or find yourself agreeing or yeah. you know, whatever.
0: Yeah, so like, if it is a fallacious argument, most times when they start filling in the middle pieces, it's going to sound ridiculous. Right. But it may not sound ridiculous to them, but you will see the flaws in that logic. You'll see other fallacies pop up and you can point those out as you go along and be like, hey, that doesn't lead to this. Dressing slovenly does not lead to writing code slovenly. Right. Wearing t-shirt and gym shorts does not lead to not following coding standards.
1: Yeah. It gets really obvious once you start drilling into that, right? Because you, mm-hmm. at some point you're sitting there and you're going, but if this was true, you wouldn't have electric lights working right now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So now we get to the section of not having fancy Latin names and we could always make some up, but I don't really feel like it. So the first one is the straw man argument.
0: Or the straw manicus argumentus.
1: There you go. There's your Latin name for it. I don't know the Latin word for straw. I don't know. I just made that up. Yeah. So
0: with this, instead of attacking the actual argument, the straw man fallacy attacks An oversimplified representation of the argument. So basically, it's taking good listening skills to a negative extreme. So, one of the steps in good active listening is to paraphrase and repeat back what the person said, right? Right. We've had episodes on this about good listening skills and, and active listening. Well, that's one of the steps of it. What happens here is, the person using this or, or making this fallacy, they will paraphrase, but they will oversimplify in their paraphrasing. They will sometimes go to extremes with it. Sometimes they just, they will not get the nuances. Basically, they make it an easy target for themselves when they restate what the argument is. This term comes from using a straw man or scarecrow. As a training dummy, when learning combat, like you, it's funny. Like you actually see this in video games a lot. I know with Witcher games, they have like those training dummies. That's the concept here. It's like they can't fight back,
1: right? So you can't get hurt, and you're going to win. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of the idea here. This can be used as a literary device to get the core concepts of a philosophy across without confusing the reader with deeper conversations. There's plenty of philosophers that do this, you know, Terry or philosophers slash writers.
0: Yeah. So like a lot of times it's not philosophers, but it's writers who are narrators or fiction writers who are into a particular philosophy. So like Terry Goodkind is a great example. He's been accused of the straw man a lot. I'm a big fan. I've followed his work for a while throughout the entire Sword of Truth series. I kind of fell away after that because I was just had other things going on in my life. But um, one of the big things, he's, a, he's an objectivist. He's a big fan of Ayn Rand. And his goal in his early writings especially was to get the concepts of objectivism to the masses. To the people who aren't just studying philosophy but he's writing good stories that have kind of an objectivist bend to them. In that, he's not trying to address the deeper arguments, the deeper conversations of objectivism. He's literally just trying to get the core concepts out there.
1: Yeah, it's almost like saying that the way you would explain something to a child versus the way you have to explain it to an adult, those are two completely different things. And if you set up the explanation for the adult as if you're explaining it to a child just so that you can win an argument, that's very much a straw man type approach.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if you're explaining it to someone who is, doesn't have a degree in philosophy, who's not into like, who doesn't know anything about different philosophies and stuff. And you're trying to get them to look deeper into what you're saying, trying to, to encourage them to go, Hey, I want to learn more about this. Then yeah, it's not really a straw man argument. It's, I'm not making an argument. I'm saying, hey, here's a belief system you should kind of look into.
1: Yeah, most of the time when people do this, the person doing it doesn't realize they're oversimplifying the opinions of the other side Mm -hmm. or the position that they're taking. Yeah. And I promise you, you won't see that in American politics for the next three months.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You're likely to see this in a lot of forums or in the tech world in conversations related to preferred Languages, frameworks, operating, operating system. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, not that we've had those conversations recently at all, Mr. Switching to Linux and then buying a Mac.
1: Yeah, I'm still working on that, by the way. Yeah. There are some things that are going to make that tricky, which, I mean, I didn't get into in the podcast episode. But yeah, a lot of this, you're kind of stuck with understanding to a limited degree and making an abstraction that is useful to you. And sometimes the abstraction that is that you find useful does not match to the abstraction that other people find useful for refuting or agreeing with an argument.
0: Yeah. I have personally seen this in arguments, both sides, just because I've done Java in school and C-sharp in the real world. But I've seen this in the argument of which is better, Java or C-sharp.
1: Yes, whichever one works.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the thing is, I have seen Java developers set up C sharp as a straw man, so that they could win an argument, and vice versa. Yeah, honestly, I'll admit it, guys. I was guilty of doing this some, um, not on purpose, but because I didn't understand Java, and I was around. Not that Will is like super anti Java, but I was around other C sharp developers who had valid reasons for being anti Java. But all I pulled from it was like the simplifications as I understood it. And I oversimplified it and I didn't make enemies from it, but I probably ostracized some of my coworkers who learned Java in school and actually enjoyed working in it just because I didn't understand it well enough. Yeah, And so that's something to really, really look out for going back to something we talked about earlier. This is an insidious one. This is one that can sneak up on you that you may not even realize you're doing it. And, take that into account when you see someone else doing it because they may not realize they are doing it. It may not be a matter of they're purposefully oversimplifying to win an argument. It may be that's their level of understanding of it.
1: Yeah, or they may be summarizing because they're trying to get it across to people that don't understand the full thing. I mean, it's... Yeah, there's a lot of nuance to this one. And especially on the internet, if you're on Facebook, two people can have a discussion about something and both of them can be capable of a fairly high level of understanding and they talk in generalities and other people come in that don't have that high level of understanding and the whole thing turns into a dumpster fire and it has nothing to do with anybody strawmanning anything. It's just Mm -hmm. people at scale.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I put this particular one towards the end of the list because it was, when you say logical fallacies, especially ones with having to do with the form of the argument this is the one that comes to mind for most people
1: yeah well they see it the most yeah now another common one that they're going to see a lot of is the either or fallacy now this is also called the black and white fallacy the false dilemma the false dichotomy this fallacy limits the options to only two when there are more than two Mm -hmm. and you'll see this again in the next three months with the US political parties you'll see this in a lot of countries honestly with the political situation to one degree or another
0: i have actually seen this a lot i have friends on both sides of the political spectrum both extremes of the political spectrum it's it's frustrating because i'll see people who i agree with them on
1: two or three things yeah
0: yeah two or three things and then they'll say stuff i'm like that is so far and it's not just it's not one side or the other it's literally both sides but the thing is i've seen this where they're like and i also have some people who are very libertarian who are like don't fall victim to the two party system but then i'll see people who are like especially because we have a president that the other side absolutely despises and so they're trying to get the incumbent elected so they're like that i will see a lot of voting third party is throwing away your vote and voting against this person. And you should, it fascinates me because I'm like, I'm watching it. I'm going, wow, you guys are literally arguing the either or fallacy.
1: Yep. The whole time and acting like everything is only on one axis. Yeah. Let's say you have a coordinate system and you literally only have one axis, but the system you're trying to really describe has a hundred dozen axes most points can't be addressed. Yeah. And that's essentially what's going on here. It's a way of oversimplifying really complex things into terms of two opposing sides. And typically, this is done so that then you can say one side's right and the other side isn't. Yeah, So you either accept everything I believe is true or you're completely diametrically opposed to my viewpoint. And that's really not accurate. You know, that's not an accurate perception of how anybody that's an actual adult functions, right? Like you know that there's stuff that you don't bring up even with your closest friends because you strongly disagree and you just, it's not worth it.
0: Mm -hmm. It depends on your friendship too, because I will bring up stuff with you that I completely disagree with you on, but we've built that over 20 years.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, is we can argue and we can both leave from the argument with something out of it. That's useful. I think that's a different, thing that a lot of people haven't learned how to do is to go, okay, I can see where they're coming from now. And sometimes we'll bring stuff up particularly to get that.
0: I don't know that people have not learned how to do. I think people have forgotten how to do. I remember, and you know, I, I'm not talking about member berries from South Park. I actually remember sitting in coffee shops with friends of mine who, you know, I agreed with them on some things, but we were very, very opposed on other things. Yeah. And we would go back back and forth and back and forth and just really just get into it. People who were on the outside would look at us and thought we were just like absolutely arguing. Of course, we're both like big grand, smiling, loving it. Yeah. And completely disagree. Walk away still disagreeing, but learning something about the other side. And now those, some of those, not all of them, but some of those same friends will not even talk to me. Yep, same here. Because we, I do not agree with them on every single thing they believe. It's like
1: people forgot. Yeah. And there's some stuff where I'm like, they've got a
0: point. Yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah, you've got a point
1: there. But the way you're trying to fix this problem creates a hundred others. Right. You know, like I can agree that certain things are really, really messed up, but I can't agree with how you're trying to fix it because it comes from a place of victimhood and a place of mm-hmm. anger and it's not going to fix the problem. It's like getting even. Type stuff. So yeah. Yeah. You and I have some of those same friends. And yeah, I've had exactly the same experience with them.
0: Yeah. It's like we used to be able to have this dialogue and this discussion. And even when we disagreed, what's funny is I agree with some of their stuff now a lot more than I used to. Yeah. Because I've seen things that I'm like, I didn't know this was going on. I didn't know this was happening. And even still, they won't like I have lost friends over this that still won't be my friend, even though I'm like, hey. I agree with you now. I didn't realize this was happening. I didn't know this was going on. And now that my eyes have been opened, I'm like, I want to agree with you. And they are still so like, you didn't agree with me back then. Yeah. So I cannot be friends with you now. And I'm like, why? And it's that either or fallacy. It's like, you don't agree with every single thing. Yeah. That I think I have some friends guys. I'll be honest. I have some friends who are socialists and I am very much not a socialist, but we agree on other things, and we used to be able to have dialogue and conversations, and I've learned a lot from them over the years. But I don't know, I guess the last 10 to 15 years, I haven't really hung out or talked to those people because they refuse to have that dialogue. Yeah, I think
1: with any of these fallacies, what you're really coming up to is the notion Sometimes people have ideas and sometimes ideas have people. Yeah. And sometimes the people move in a position of subservience to the idea.
0: hmm Yeah. Because this is another one that you're very likely to see in the forums, in discussions about languages, frameworks, operating systems. People in general, they like to view things as us versus them. It's almost like it plays
1: off a sense of fairness that people have, right? Like they've got to have the you know evil despised other side be approximately equal in force to theirs yeah it's a weird dynamic because like if you see like mac fans and windows fans butting heads they almost never talk about linux and they definitely don't talk about bsd who does right really yeah <laughs> but yeah th- this seems like it's a thing that we like to say this is the in group this is the out group and ignore the complex dynamics outside of that mm mm-hmm. mhm And I think a lot of that honestly goes back to early human prehistory. Like if you ran into another group of people, that's probably the only other group of people that you're going to run into this year. Yeah, They're either friends or they're not. It's not like, oh, they're going to ally with you against this other tribe over here because there just weren't enough people for that. Mm -hmm. And I really think a lot of our deepest cultural psychoses come out of some very, very old things that aren't entirely relevant
0: anymore. Yeah. False dilemmas, they're basically a polarizing tool this used to limit options and make one side look better than the other and it doesn't matter which side you're on yeah like i said i've got friends on both sides of the political spectrum who will not talk to me anymore because i don't agree with them on everything they believe yep they've fallen victim to this false dichotomy false dilemma they can no longer see hey someone can agree with me on some things but not all things and This is something I really, really want to stress here. It's not one political side or the other. We've talked a lot about politics in this one, and we try to avoid politics.
1: And these things are why we try to avoid politics, is because they're not based on reason.
0: Yeah, but it's both sides, you know? It's both sides of the political spectrum that I've experienced this. I have friends, like I said, all across it, and I've lost friends on both sides because... I'm somewhere in the middle and I'm not agreeing with either one of them on every single item.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I've lost friends in the middle too. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing is like the radical centrist. That is totally a thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah, it's it's a pity. You're going to run into logical fallacies all the time, especially in informal conversations with friends or on social media. It's important to understand that fallacies are false in the logic of an argument. Because what someone says contains fallacies, that does not mean that they're not correct. It just means that their particular argument didn't prove them correct. Keep that in mind and be lenient on those who may commit the fallacies. Use the knowledge here to better your own use of logic when arguing your point.
0: So guys, we want to give a shout out and a big thank you to Lucas from Level Up Financial Planning for sponsoring this week's episode. Through his sponsorship, Lucas is helping us achieve our podcasting goals just like he'll help you achieve your financial goals. That pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade?
1: Well, I just want to add to the the whole fallacy thing. A lot of times the points that somebody brings up in a fallacy can also be true and they can be useful, right? Like you can harvest that information even if you completely disagree with their conclusions. This is especially true with things that are like red herrings. It's not really true of straw man arguments, but a lot of these, if you pay attention, you're like, hey, they have some points here that either need to be addressed or it's stuff that's completely unrelated, but that's information that may be useful to me later feel free to pick that information up, right? Just because it came from somebody whose argument is garbage doesn't mean the information is garbage. Have enough discernment to understand the difference between those two things. Because sometimes you'll get like the most, you'll get some really cool information or some stuff that that you find very interesting even if you really can't stand the messenger. So yeah, that's all I got. Standby for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at com. Our theme music is an excerpt from
0: Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more
1: about all of our shows and groups by going to completedevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.